What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. We just wrapped up here on Sunday afternoon. An exciting weekend of lacrosse, a big weekend of lacrosse, the biggest of the season thus far. We had upsets, we had close games, and welcome back to the Ivy League. Getting started here, um, obviously, I you know I don't think there's any other place we can start other than Ohio State knocking off North Carolina. It's a top five Carolina team. They're going to Chapel Hill. They knocked them off twenty to eight. Congrats to Nick Myers and the Buckeyes on this win. Um, really, really, this game came down to one of the key factors in this game was the face-off dot. You have a 69% day from Justin Anasio. And as I've mentioned, this Ohio State face-off unit is not just Anasio and Drew Blanchard as the backup. No, no, no. You've got the guys on the wings. Trent DeCiso, uh, Trent DeCiso um, a guy who... He had a goal in this one as well. Had about five, six ground balls. One of the top ground ball guys uh, in the Big Ten at the at the moment. One of the top ground ball guys in the nation. Uh, that's not a faceoff guy uh, in the moment. Had a big day as well there in Chapel Hill. And you know, one of the things we talked about going into this game was both of these teams had solid faceoff units which one was going to come out on top. And indeed, it is Ohio State that comes out on top, 69% dominating the dot there. And, you know, Carolina is more of a three-pronged attack there with Tucci, Tyu, and then the freshman Chase Mullins, who can also, uh, you know, do some damage as well. Um, This game... in addition to just how successful that face-off unit can be against a team that is not Cleveland State and Detroit Mercy, this game also showcased that depth that we've seen from Ohio State through the season thus far. And that was another question. Can this? Can the depth, can, will that be shown? And can it be successful against a team like Carolina? And especially on the offensive end, we know now that it can. Um, When you look at Jack Myers had nine points on the day, seven assists, two goals, uh, four of those assists coming in the second half during uh, that big run for the Buckeyes. I mean, look, they lead 10-7 to late in the third, and then – 17-7 Seventeen to seven midway through the final stanza. That's a seven goal run that the Buckeyes go on there, and this offense was just clicking on all cylinders during that period. And the faceoff dot was being dominated mostly by the Buckeyes during that period as well. The Buckeyes they got hot and they stayed hot. They were able to take down a top five team in North Carolina. And look, 
uh, Ohio State, you know, they showed us a lot of what they can be. This is a program that really last year uh, had a down year. Obviously, the Big Ten only schedule, I think, hurt them, but, you know, you only get four wins there uh, last year, and this is a program that in 2017, or was that 16? 17, 2017, was in the national title game. That's only five years ago. Um, you're only five years removed from a national title appearance. Uh, Nick Myers obviously wants to get this team back to that level. And, you know, it, it looks like Ohio State is rebounding from what was a pretty bad season a year ago. Now, we'll see what they do. Uh, you know, they, you know, built themselves a lot of you know, momentum here in this win. I think they showed a lot of people exactly how good they can be, and they impressed a lot of people. Um, now, they got to keep that going. Uh, they have a pretty tough schedule coming up here. Harvard, Cornell, Notre Dame, and Denver, uh, all in a row. Then you have, I believe it's Dartmouth, and then you get into Big Ten play. So that's a tough schedule uh, heading into you know the next month before you start Big Ten play and was it late March, early April? Um, I mean, they can show some people there. Uh, Harvard, who they play on Saturday down in next Saturday down in Naples, I believe it is uh, in Florida. Um, you know, that's a team that we, we we still don't know a ton about. They beat NJIT in the opener. Um, it looks like they had a lot of young guys kind of lead the way, but you also have some veterans. Uh, Jerry Bones first full season there. We we'll see how that team goes. Uh, Cornell is a team that has a lot of respect, has a lot of talent there. Notre Dame, obviously, we know how talented they are. And Denver, look, it, it, it doesn't look like it's a spe- specifically strong year for Denver, but um, you know they're still probably going to end the season as a top twenty team um, and going to be in that big, at least in the conversation, if not in the Big Ten title game uh, once. Again, if Villanova has any you know, doesn't have anything to say about it, um, for UNC in this game, I think that this really just comes back to this defense. I mean, Chris Gray did all he could. God bless him; he did all he could. But really, uh, this midfield group—you saw the inexperience there, and you also saw how say, inexperienced how bad this defense can be. And this was the problem with Carolina before Will Bowen was this defense just was not good enough. You had a lot of really good pieces all over the field. You obviously had a good goalie there uh, in, you know, Caton Johnson, who had himself 12 saves against his former team uh, on Saturday. Uh, but the, the, the Tar Heels, until you got Chris Gray, and until you got Will Bowen healthy uh, in his, what was it, his redshirt freshman year there in 2020, th- this Carolina defense did not look very good uh, much at all. Uh, and Colin Krieg, I mean, he did all he could, but he had a subpar, I think he was under 50% save percentage. And look, he got, he, he got exposed on a lot of plays, but just overall, this North Carolina defense didn't show a lot, um, and 
and and look, you had two wins over comparable teams, um, and then a, a, a team that you know should be on the same level as you comes in there, a Big Ten team, and they beat you twenty to eight, and that is not a good look. And, and this game, it, I mean, I mentioned it was close, it was close heading into the half. This was a solid back and forth game. It's a six to five Buckeye lead at the half. Ohio State. Um, wasn't wasn't running away with anything in the first half, and the Tar Heels were, looked like they were right there on the heels, uh, you know, pun intended there. Looked like they were there right there with them, um, and they just collapsed. Uh, and, yeah, a lot of it, marking up to Justin Nasio in this face-off unit, but Carolina just looked really pathetic uh, in this game, in the second half especially. Uh, really fell off there. So, you know, can they, you know, bounce back from this? Uh, You know, looking up who they have coming up on the schedule, um, you got got Brown coming up on Wednesday. Brown, not an easy team to play against. Um, We'll see if they can bounce back there. You've got Brown and you've got uh, Johns Hopkins this week on Wednesday and Sunday. Look, those aren't going to be easy games. Uh, Johns Hopkins we're going to talk about here in a minute, but uh, th- those aren't necessarily easy teams to go up against. So, um, you know, Carolina, they're going to have to bounce back soon because you've got three games before uh, you get into ACC play. Um, and a- the ACC schedule for most of these teams is kind of scattered out um, due to, you know, they're playing teams twice again. And I mean, they play Virginia twice and they play Duke twice. You know, are you going to be able to beat those teams twice? Are you going to be able, um, you know, you never want to overreact early in the season. And, yeah, they're 2-1 still, and I think this is still going to be a good team, a team that has the ability, if they're playing at the highest level, uh, to be a, to, to make a run in the NCAA tournament. But they've got a lot of things to fix. They've got a lot of things to fix, a lot of things to work on. Inexperience obviously being a big part of it. So I think as they get deeper into the season and they they do have some big tests coming up, we'll see how they react against those. Next game to go over here, uh, Yale is back after 714 days. The Yale Bulldogs took the field and Andy Shea's squad came up victorious 17-14 in what was a game of runs there against Villanova. Matt Brandau, five goals, one assist. Will Cabrera, two goals, two assists. And the freshman, Leo Johnson, gets three goals. The really, this Yale offense was really, really good in this one here for the Bulldogs as they take down the Wildcats. And Villanova, they gave them all they could. Uh, just as expected, this has been a good battle between a good series between these two over the past couple of years. Uh, and they're really dating back to 2017, 2018. Uh, these have been some really, really good early season games, and it was just that again here. Um, you know, Yale they got up five one late in the first. Villanova they get back within two early there in the second, um, and then they take that eight seven lead at the half. They, you know, hold, hold Yale to just one goal. Uh, Matt Blandow's third of the day in the second period. 
Yale turns the tables on them nine to one in the third quarter in the third quarter to take a 16 to nine lead. Um, and then look, Villanova five, one run, uh, including two man up goals, you know, gets them back into the game, but uh, Yale ultimately able to hold them off down the stretch. Villanova actually outshot Yale 43 to 34 uh, and won the ground ball battle 37 to 34. Uh, Machado Rodriguez, uh, so does the primary guy for Yale at the dot, 10 for 17 there. Uh, they used multiple guys actually at the faceoff dot in this one. And, um, you know, many people thought it would be Jared Newman, uh, but ended up not being Jared Newman. I mentioned Rodriguez taking uh, the majority of draws there for the Bulldogs. You also had Nicholas Ramsey, uh, who started the day uh, there going 17, 7 for 17 at the dot. He took the first, uh, probably took did the majority of the lifting there in the first half at the dot for the Bulldogs. But this is a Yale team that looks so far um, like, you know, it, it's a lot of different faces, but um, it, it, it looks exactly like you would expect. This is a good Yale team. This is a top 10 Yale team, and they play like it on Saturday. Um, another you know, notable storyline in this one, Jared Parquette getting the start in cage, nine saves. Um, Jack Starr does not start, and uh, I came out one of the Inside Lacrosse podcasts, apparently, uh, I was told Andy Shea was on the podcast raving about Jack Starr, um, and Starr does not get the start in there, so I, I don't know what the situation is there. Maybe this is something that we see. Uh, you know, maybe there's an injury that we don't know about. Maybe this is something that we see. We'll see him next game. But you know, um, if you remember, he was out for a time in 2020 with some injuries. So you know, I, I don't know. It's been two years since then. We'll you know, we'll see how things go in cage for Yale moving forward. But overall, this looks like a very, very good Bulldogs squad. Another Ivy League team that looked very good on Saturday was the Penn Quakers. Um, you know, they gave Georgetown all they could handle. All they could handle. It's a 10-8 to victory for the Hoyas, but the Quakers were right there on their hips the entire game. And look, Georgetown, they basically cruised in the final three periods against Johns Hopkins a week ago. And then they come into this one and they have to fight um, Georgetown. They get up five to two early on, go on a multi-goal run there, uh, including two from Glenn Bundy Jr. There to take an early 5-2 lead. Uh, but, you know, as soon as you can blink, it's six to four at, at the half. And it's a two-goal game. Uh, the Quakers really in that second period, uh, and this is one of the biggest takeaways for me of this game, was that transition offense that we saw from the Quakers. Um, they were keeping their you know, D-middies, uh, James Shipley, notably one of them, on the field, um, and and really it was working. Uh, B.J. Farrar had an assist, uh, the 
you know, Hill did LSM. Um, and, and really, when you look back to that 2010-2019 run and that 2020 shortened season, early offense and getting those opportunities in transition was a big part of that Penn team, big part of their identity. And it uh, looks like they have not lost that at all as, as they were very successful with that. I think they had three uh, transition goals, uh, in the, two in the second, and then one, I think, was in the third, I want to say. Uh, no, in the, uh, in the fourth, uh, early on there, uh, to, kind of, to cut the lead there again. Uh, but they're ultimately not able to pull out the victory. Connor Malin with the final goal of the game, 158 left. Uh, the Quakers unable to get a settled possession in the final minute or so of play. Uh, and, you know, thus not able to get an opportunity uh, to make a to make a last effort there. Uh, Graham Bundy Jr., so I do want to mention T.J. Haley back in the lineup for uh, Georgetown after being out with an injury last week. So great to see him back. Graham Bundy Jr. with that moved back to midfield, and uh, he had himself a big day, two goals, two assists to lead the way. James Riley, 63% at the dot as expected. Uh, Penn, you know, no Kyle Gallagher. Um, obviously, so you know, we'll see what they do there. Uh, we have Arceli at the face-off dot, uh, the younger brother of Gerard Arceli actually there at the dot for Penn. So um, we'll see how this Quakers face-off unit fares moving forward, but uh, not a, not a uh, spectacular day uh, by any means uh, there against the Hoyas, but against James Riley, you're going to have that. Uh, Will Bowen uh, was on Sam Handley for most of the day. Uh, that matchup was one to watch for sure. Uh, and, and he did a really good job on Handley. Uh, there. Uh, Handley just had one goal and two assists, uh, so held him as best as he could. And really, Handley didn't get many opportunities um, there, especially in the second half, I believe it was. Uh, didn't really have much of an impact at all um, there. Uh, and, and and really this Georgetown defense, that transition offense for Penn was able to break down that Hoyas defense, but six on six, Georgetown won this game, uh, not easily, but uh, certainly you know, showcased their skills in that six on six play much more than they did you know, in transition. Um, you know, despite this, you know, this Georgetown team has a fantastic, uh, you know, D-mid group there that also, uh, showcased as well in the six on six. Owen McElroy, 11 saves in cage, and Dylan Gagal uh, for Penn leads their offense with four goals. Uh, had himself a really, really big day. Uh, another kind of notable goalie, sco- uh, goalie storyline here in the Ivy League. Emmett Carroll gets the start over Patrick Birkenshaw. Patrick Birkenshaw, according to the uh, announcers, was not even on the sidelines for this game. So, um, you know, that, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Birkenshaw obviously was started at Virginia, transfers to Penn, had a really strong 2020 uh, season with the Quakers, had a strong 2019 uh, with Virginia, sharing duties there with Alps Road for a majority of the season. 
a really talented goaltender, but Emmett Carroll gets the start there, 12 saves. I uh, thought he did a very good job in cage for this Penn defense. But, you know, overall, this game, my biggest two takeaways, Hoyas defense uh, and their face-off unit did as expected. Glenn Bundy Jr. back at the midfield spot doing his work. And then for Penn, that transition offense looks like it's going to be, or that transition looks like it's going to be their bread and butter again this season. We'll see how they progress in the six-on-six. Again, it's only game one, and they've been off um, for a while. They had that one game in 2020, uh, but against Cabrini, blowout win. uh, Haven't had to play a competitive game of lacrosse in quite some time. Um, and, you know, as always, great to see the Ivy League back. Uh, the other Ivy League scores here before we move any further. So Cornell beat Albany 16-8, to first win of the Connor Busick era. And then we had Princeton beat Monmouth. It was 22-6, I believe it was. And then you had Brown. They got a win over Quinnipiac. Um, and this is one Quinnipiac. They hung around for a little bit, but uh, 19-13, to 13, solid win there for the Bears. And that one, Dartmouth uh, and Penn, the only two teams to lose in the Ivy this week, mentioned Penn losing 10-8 to against Georgetown, the game we just went over, and uh, Dartmouth, Loses to Merrimack, uh, eight to six. Henry Voigt with another strong performance in cage for Merrimack. Twenty-one saves in that contest.